The end of the Return of the Jedi toy line is a fascinating one. Beginning with the 77 backs, we received the final two main characters, Han Solo in trench coat and Leia in battle poncho, both appearing in the film's Endor scenes. The rest of Kenner's action figure offering is comprised of a wild bunch, heavily focusing on the lesser creatures and characters seen battling in space, protecting an Ewok forest, or patronizing Jabba's palace and the nearby sail barge. A hero named Pruneface, skiff guards named Nikto and Klaatu, and an Ewok named Wicket W. Warwick. To a generation, Return of the Jedi is just as important as the first Star Wars film and its sequel, The Empire Strikes Back. Kenner's figures expanded the toy universe even further, allowing children to fill their Jabba-themed playworlds with rancors and denizens of the palace. Vehicles like the Scout Walker and the TIE Interceptor came with new features and made playing within the Star Wars sandbox even more exciting. And just like the earlier Jedi offerings, these later figure releases, along with the vehicles, playsets, prototypes, and international items, are an important part of the lore and vibrancy of Star Wars collectibles. And like the earlier Jedi offerings, clear bubbles matter, condition is utterly important, and there are some jaw-dropping pieces to be found from the Return of the Jedi era. This is a look at some of those iconic and key Jedi collectibles found in the latest Hakes auction, number 234. This is a fun and humorous conversation about the remnants of a galaxy far, far away with my good friend, author, and fellow collector, Matt George. This is part six. And this is Star Wars, Prototypes and Production. George, we are back again for the sixth part of the series. We are, uh, as I joked with you yesterday, we are now a little more than halfway through the, the catalog. We're actually toward the end. Um, but my gosh, we have just been going through each piece. And this catalog from front to back has been so exciting. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Well, finishing up the six pack here with the... Uh... The first three movies, and then um, I'm looking forward to going over what is, without a doubt, the most important uh, hobby-changing release, the 77 backs. Um, great, filled with great characters that are <laughs> integral to the plot, and 
Uh, okay, so I take it you're a big fan then. <laughs> you and I are going to differ on this one because growing up as a Jedi kid, those are those are some of the characters and figures that I just loved. Um, but before we get into that, I, I have a, a quick question for you. So at the time of, of recording this, um, we have now seen our first images of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. Um, Entertainment Weekly just came out with a magazine uh, and, and on the cover is Ewan as Obi-Wan. And uh, I believe, you know, a trailer is going to drop soon. So knowing that all of this information is coming out and, and now the hype is going to start to build on Obi-Wan. Um, do you think that's going to affect any of the Obi-Wan sales in this Hicks catalog? Yes, absolutely. People are, uh, you know, <clears throat> using these toys as investments these days. And, um, I'm sure there's going to be some speculating on Obi-Wan items and maybe even, uh, some characters that people suspect might either show up in the show or, um, and somewhere in the Disney Plus universe down the road. Well, and especially now that we've seen images of you and as Obi-Wan, and, and this thing is becoming more and more real, um, it, it seems like, you know, we've known about this series for a while, and it, it seems like, you know, we've seen this with Boba Fett too, that collectors start to jump on board as it gets closer to the actual release. So we know the first episode is coming out in May, um, and... I think I think honestly it's really interesting, but I think this is the time now where people are going to start to kind of hunt for Obi Wan pieces and clamor for them. And um, you know, people have had years; they've had you know at least two years of knowing that this series was going to come out. But um, I'm just I'm glad that you're uh, you know your your focus, as you said, is is Tebow and the ATST drivers. So mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. nothing to worry about, my friend. Mm-hmm. You're you're in the clear. No, nothing. Yeah. No. Uh, do you uh, collect any any characters from um, the original trilogy uh, from from the the first film by any chance? I do actually. Um, I've got an Obi Wan Kenobi focus, oh. so it works out pretty well. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's great. Um, you should start collecting stuff right now. <laughs> and. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I gotta say, I'm not happy that the prices are likely going to be going up. Um, but it's cool to, it's such an underrated character. Um, when you look at prices of Obi-Wan stuff compared to the other characters from, you know, the first nine figures that came out or whatnot with the kind of the major characters of the first movie, he's never really kind of up there with, in terms of, um, I guess popularity, and I judge popularity off of the kind of the prices that uh, that the toys go for. Um, so it's kind of cool to see him getting his due because I think he's probably the most underrated character in the entire saga. Have you watched the Clone Wars? I've watched uh, bits and pieces of it. I haven't sat down and just really gone through it all the way through. I've I've watched Rebels through a couple different times. Um, but Clone Wars, I just haven't gone all the way through yet, but I've caught kind of the, the, not the Tartakov. What's the, uh, Tartakovsky. Yeah. Not that one. Um, but the Clone the, Wars, the, the, yeah, the, the, the Filoni stuff I've caught yes. maybe, I want to say a quarter of it or so. I, I would make, I would make a case for anyone who is interested in, 
the prequel era or in characters like Anakin and Obi-Wan, um, I think I think the Clone Wars series, which ran from 20, 2008 to, um, I think it was canceled around 2013 and then brought back for a seventh season uh, two years ago, I think that that series makes the best case for why Obi-Wan is one of the most important characters in all of Star Wars and, and one of the most interesting characters as well, too. They have essentially seven seasons in which they explore his his um his backstory uh you know his his current story during the clone wars um how he is a mentor to Anakin as well as uh, Ahsoka um and and you know I I really appreciate him he's become one of my favorite characters now because of that series so if you're excited about seeing the, the new Obi-Wan show um, before we get to, to that point, uh, it is worth going back and, and checking out the Clone Wars because um, it will really turn you into an Obi-Wan fan. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to find a way to watch it all before the, uh, the Kenobi show kicks off. If you want to start now, that's fine. We'll just, um, we'll just have it on in the background. Yeah, hold no hold on real quick. Hold okay, on. Good. <laughs> we knock this out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you do think that prices are going to go up for the Obi Wan figures? I, I I agree. I think um, you know now there's going to be this global hype about it, which is really cool. It's exciting, and um, you know I, I'm just I'm just hoping that we get a really good story that does the character justice and that gives us solid characters that we could really cling to. Um, and I, I think uh, you know it's nice to know that John Williams is is coming back. He's returning to do the score for it. Um, or at least the theme for it. And um, yeah, it has a lot going for it. So we'll see what happens, but okay. Um, do you, is there a particular Obi-Wan piece in this catalog that you think will be most affected? Um, I would probably say the proof. Okay. The Revenge of the Jedi proof. It's never gone for like that proof has always been in kind of mid to low levels of popularity. Um, I remember seeing it for sale for the first time at $1,500 at Celebration uh, Chicago. And I remember thinking, oh my, who in the heck is going to buy this for $1,500? This is like normally like a, you know, $500 to $700 item. And now it's probably going to go for more than $1,500 on this auction. So it's, um, I think with the show, the fact that it's, you know, relatively affordable compared to a lot of the other items in this auction, I could definitely see uh, popularity in that item being uh, being heightened. We've talked about how certain pieces tend to sell for lower values, and a lot of the ones that we've pointed to, like like for example, the um, the early bird certificate. How it's a two D, essentially a two D piece, you know, and not not a a three D piece like um, a carded figure that contains uh, a figure, you know, inside of a bubble. Um, and so I just I wonder, are these proofs interesting or desirable to only collectors, or or do they appeal? Like, would they appeal to someone who's who's looking to add some interesting and maybe rare pieces, but more of the casual collector? I think just given the price of it, it could be kind of an aspirational goal for a, um, 
someone that maybe collects just loose or is kind of on a budget, but they want something to be a center point to their collection. Um, that'd be a good candidate for somebody like that. Um, also people that are putting that run together. Um, you know, that's obviously another person would be after the piece if they just need it for their run. Uh, focus people. I don't, there's, I'm only aware of maybe two other folks that, that focus on Obi-Wan, but, um, I'm not sure if they got one. So that's, you know, a candidate for those folks. And, um, so I think this piece could appeal to a, a kind of a, a large sub, uh, subset of folks. I agree. The, the ones that you've mentioned, though, and, and we're talking about, all, or at least I'm talking about all proofs in, in general here um, that are that are offered in the Hakes catalog. Um, <clears throat> I meant more of like a casual collector, as somebody who is, I don't want to use the term investor, but someone on on that order who is, you know, who grew up with with the toys or who love the films and are like, Oh, you know what? I, I want a piece to put on my wall. Um, do you see, do you see a market like that for the casual collector where it's not someone who's maybe as concerned with getting like a loose, loose figure run or has a specific run already, but it's just someone who is very casually who, who has money and who's looking, you know, at, okay, let me add, you know, something kind of unique and interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, reason I say that, those folks are looking at some of the high ticket items out there and just what some of these items are going for that are even more common, um, starting to get up there in price, you know, used to be Carter figures were a hundred bucks and now those same figures are 500 to a thousand bucks. And so using kind of the logic of, okay, where are things now and what could they be? It seems to me like, Proofs that are in the low, very low four figures could stand to appreciate, you know, faster than, than something that's, you know, maybe 5,000 right now. Sure. So for the folks that are just purely in it for speculation and things like that, I think that these proofs um, are a good candidate to kind of be snatched up and, and especially if they can get them for, you know, $1,500 or less. And as we said, they're they're more common in the world of proofs, um, but you know, again, we're we're talking about handfuls basically, and and you know, not not a large quantity of each one available. Yeah, there are a number of sets out there; they're intact, hundred percent, and so you know, folks aren't going to break those sets up. So those are, you know, essentially off, you know, out of the market for good. Um, so the number, uh, you know, as, as folks put more and more sets together out there, more and more of these are going to be locked up too in those sets. So these kind of one-offs are are going to slowly start kind of drying up as people either put together their focus runs or the complete sets of the revenge proof. So um, the fact that there's 16 of them in this auction, I think it's pretty great because I don't know if we'll see uh, uh, outside of someone selling a, a set a full set one at a time in one of these Hakes auctions. I can't imagine that there'll be an opportunity to buy this many different characters and good characters too. One of our friends who has a toy store in Ohio, uh, he brought a number of them to the room sales, I think in 2019 in Cincinnati. And so every year collectors from all over come to Cincinnati 
uh, for the, the Cincinnati Toy Show. And then, you know, we all hang out for the weekend. We visit different collectors' homes. And then that Saturday night at whichever hotel most people are staying at, um, we basically take over the lobby and we have room sales where people will sell different items that they, they've brought. A lot of times you do get uh, really rare items and prototypes. And um, so one of our friends, um, I think he said like maybe two or three weeks before the Cincinnati Toy Show, he had somebody come into his store with, uh, I don't know if it was a full set, but it was probably pretty close. And um, so he brought a number of them to the the room sales uh, that weekend. And he had, you know, some of the the more desirable ones, the Luke, the Boba Fett, the Darth Vader. And, um, you know, and I think a lot of them sold. So, um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where the prices are now, you know, three years later. Yeah, it's crazy. Just a different world we live in now. Truly. But exciting. Definitely exciting. Uh, so having said that, we are going to start with our first um, carded figure for this run. So now we're in the 77 backs. Um, so this one is, if you're following along with us, this is lot 1810. And it's the Star Wars Return of the Jedi Bib Fortuna figure, one of my favorites. It's a 77 back A. Um, and you know, with, with a lot of these, you'll just find with the 77 backs on, most of them have yellow bubbles. Um, and uh, this one's graded at a 75Y for the yellow bubble. And uh, the special thing about it, though, is, and it's listed on the, uh, the sticker on the AFA label, is that it has a QC sign-off sticker. So, Matt, uh, this is for, for collectors of pre-production stuff. Um, this is pretty important. Could you just give people an idea of what a QC sign-off sticker is and why it um, why why it's so desirable among collectors? Yeah, no problem. Um, QC that stands for Quality Control. Uh, sometimes you'll see it as QA, Quality Assurance, but um, in hobby vernacular, it's it's mainly referred to as QC samples. So, uh, what this QC sign-off is is they'll send. You know, we talked about in a previous episode about how they'll send first shots over to make sure that the figures coming out of the molds looks look exactly the way they want them to. Um, and they'll perform tests on them to make sure that, you know, that the limbs don't pop off or there's no um, chance for small parts to be ingested by kids and just to make sure that they're 100% safe. Well, kind of a similar thing here but only uh, kind of relative to cards. So they'll get these carded figures back and they'll run all kind of tests on them to make sure that the, the bubbles are on tight, that the figures are in there correctly, that the, the figure in the bubble will match the figure on the card, um, that the, the figure sits in the, the bubble and on the card exactly right. And um, then they'll just, you know, they'll perform some other tests on there just to make sure that, it meets all the the specifications on quality that the Kenner expects. And they've got binders and like thick volumes of stuff in there that, that uh, make up their quality control process that they have to adhere to. So uh, this is one of those pieces that went through that, that testing. So once it has met all specifications, then the tester will normally either sign the item directly onto the card back or they'll put a sticker 
um, on the card back and write all the, the outcomes and, you know, this passed the test, here's the date, here's who did the tests, um, onto that, that sticker. That's what we have here. This was the one with a, a sticker adhered to the front of it. And it looks like it was tested on 10, 26, 83. Um, so this was after Jedi already came out and they were probably gearing up for the 77 backs. Um, this was included in the batch sent back to uh, to uh, Kenner for them to do their testing. Okay, and it's it's also there's a notation of the word "okay" on it, and then um, it also has a signature, which is by a C. Martis. Um, I tried to look up who this person is. Um, it's either Martis or Marty. Um, I was not able to find any information on who this person was and, and what their job was for Kenner um, specifically. But uh, would you happen to know, is, is this a name that you've, you've uh, come across during your research or during your uh, working on the book? It's a name that I've seen before. I have not ever spoken to this person. Um, I don't know. If, I don't, based on, um, I guess just based on how much I've talked to different folks and heard different names, I have not heard this name mentioned very much. So I'm guessing they weren't at Kenner for very long, but I don't know that for sure. Um, but yeah, this would have been done in the by the QC department. That person worked in there. I've seen a lot of them come up with, you know, probably a half dozen to a dozen different names over the years. Um this Martis, I think, I've, I've seen in, in Return of the Jedi era only. Okay. Well, that would make sense then, you know, if they were there for a short time. Um, so the estimate on this one is $2,000 to $5,000. Uh, right now we have one bid on it. Um, it's currently at $1,000 with, um, with a few days left before the auction ends. Matt, where does this quality control sign-off land? Well, I know there's a number of folks out there that collect these um, specifically for Jedi. Um, there's There was a couple that have been in, in prior auctions. I know that Tebow has been in there before. And I want to say the price was somewhere I want to say 2500 to 3500 somewhere in that ballpark. Um, that was in a little bit better condition. And the, the, there were some characteristics on the Tebow and on that QC card where they actually had notated um, that they wanted to make a change. Um, I think the Tebow was like specifically calling out a particular stripe that was painted onto his body as being off or something like that. Um, so there's probably a little bit more um, interest in that Tebow just because it was more, um, there was more to it. I guess that there was some actionable feedback on the card. Um, whereas this one just looks like everything was fine and, you know, there was no major call out. So I would think this one would sit, you know, quite a bit lower than that Tebow. So kind of on the low end of that, that range, I would think. Okay. The, um, the Tebow sold on March 12th, 2020, it sold for $3,600 and it has really what looks like uh, an index card stapled to the front of it. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty large card where it goes from the top of the card down to the, the top of the bubble of the figure. Um, this one's still nice, though, and as you said, you don't really see these pop up, so 
Um, so your your estimate there is twenty five to twenty five hundred to thirty five hundred. No, I think that my estimate would be lower, like two thousand to twenty five hundred, somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah, the fact that it's a seventy five, and it's got some, you know, that hole punch has seen a little bit better days. I think that would, <laughs> you know, take it down from that Tebow as well. I uh, I used to own that Tebow that sold at Hakes. Oh wow, um, really? Yeah, that's why I'm more familiar with it. But um, as far as QC signoffs go, it's one of the cooler ones I've seen. So I, this one. A lot less visual interest to it, so I don't think it'll be up there with the Tebow. Now, if you do get this one, you get the joy of getting the Bib Fortuna card back versus the Tebow, and and his expressions priceless. It's like he came into Jabba's throne room and saw Slave Leia for the first time. <laughs> Just like, oh, is that? I've been wondering since childhood what that expression was. Okay, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, yes. that's my guess. I don't know if that's correct, but I'm in my mind that's. Uh, exactly what happened i love this figure i love the card back um i love the the yellow pill against the the blue and and the dark colors um on the card um and i I always thought the figure was great you know the fact that he has uh those those tendrils that kind of wrap around his body and that they also gave him a coat you know again in, in the 1980s getting a figure like this uh it seemed to be a pretty detailed one you know um with an accessory and a code and having those, those long tendrils. Um, do you think that this one will see any sort of rise in interest because of the book of Boba Fett where we did see him? Yeah, we saw a, uh, a Bib Fortuna doing his best Jabba impersonation. Looked like he'd uh, packed on his, some COVID pounds there, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't, the fact that he was in it for two seconds and got summarily, summarily shot and disposed of, I don't I don't think so. People aren't rushing out to buy things just because of that. Okay. Yeah, sure, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the main draw here is going to be the fact that it's a, a QC sign-off. But um, it's a great piece, great opening piece. Um, moving ahead to the next one at 1811, this is – now we're getting into the 77 backs – um, this is, um, a Han Solo with a trench coat. Uh, this is the camo lapel. Uh, there's a plain lapel and a camo lapel. Pretty self-explanatory. Uh, this one is graded at an 85. So this continues the really high grade run that we've seen so far in the Hakes auction. Uh, it's an 85 Y. So we're really, you know, over the next few pages, we're really going to see a lot of yellow bubbles, but uh, this one is just gorgeous. Uh, the card back is a 90 and the bubble and figure 85s. It's unpunched, no price stickers. Um, Matt, were you a fan of the Han trench coat figure growing up? I never had this figure growing up. No, um, never could find it. Um, by the time this came out in 84, I was really into GI Joe at that point. And so I, I wasn't buying too many new Star Wars toys. Um, yeah, I was into girls. Yeah, well, so. you're a smarter man than I was. Um, I was five. Oh, man. Get, getting <laughs> a jump early. On things, right? Yeah. <laughs> I dig it. No wonder you're so good with the ladies. Like, practice makes perfect. That's what it is. 10,000 10, hours. That's what Malcolm uh, Gladwell says, right? That's right. That's right. Well, um, 
so I never, I don't really have much of an attachment to this figure because I didn't have it as a kid. Um, I remember seeing it for the first time at my friend Kyle's house. Um, he had one and I remember thinking, oh, that's a lot like the Bespin Han, but, or the original Han, but with a coat on. So I know that this piece on the Power of the Force card back is fairly sought after, but uh, as far as 77 backs go, this and the layer are the only like key main characters that are on, uh, that are in that release. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how I really have no frame of reference as to how much this is going to go for. I haven't really paid much attention to the market of this figure. Okay. The, the um, estimate right now is in the 400 to $700 range. Um, I've been following them for a while. I think one graded at an 85 with yellow bubble may tend to sell in sort of that 300 to $400 range. And um, so for right now, uh, the price of it is $301. Um, it's got a 90 card grade too. And that, you know, that card is sharp. It really is. And it's hard to find. Yeah. It's a good photo of Harrison Ford too. I, I read, I believe I read in the new vintage collection book that with this image, and I never realized this before, if you look at the image, um, you'll see that over the figure, um, uh, around the figure, uh, it, it's almost blackened. And then you see the picture of Harrison Ford in the trench coat uh, with some trees behind him. But half of the card um, where the pill is, is, is black. And supposedly, uh, the Kenner designers, uh, they, the photo, the image wasn't large enough to put across the entire card. So they just airbrushed it, um, and, or just blacked it out. Mm. Um, yeah, but, but it, it's a striking image. Um, I think it, I think it's really nice on here. If you've ever seen one with a clear bubble, they really do pop. Uh, even with the yellow bubble, they still look great. Um, it kind of matches the camouflage, the, the yellow of, of the bubble. So that's okay. But, um. Yeah, so I know you said you're not too familiar with these. If you were to guess, where do you think this is going to wind up? Five hundred bucks. Okay. It's yeah. a nice card, a ninety card grade. Pretty pretty. And then we got uh, ooh that Leia. It's got that dreaded Kenner Canada. <laughs> it's, not, a, it's not dreaded Kenner Canada. Dreaded. Um, dreaded. So we have we have a few Kenner Canada pieces here. Um, we have the Leia in the in the Endor gear um, on the card. It's known as the Combat Poncho. Um, we have the R2D2 with the sensor scope. Um, we have a clear bubble Tebow, which is really nice. It's very hard to find a Tebow with a clear bubble because uh, it, it's a figure that does come on a tray, and that tray usually yellows behind it. And then um, and we have a Darth Vader. So if you were to guess, Matt, and you and I have admitted we're not really, you know, too familiar with the Kenner Canada uh, pieces. Anecdotally, we've heard that, you know, for every 10 Kenner pieces uh, that were available, there was one Kenner Canada piece. Uh, they were they were much harder to come by. Um, but of those four, uh, which one do you think will sell for the highest? It's the Leia, the R2 with the sensor scope, the clear bubble Tebow, and then the yellow bubble Darth Vader. Clear bubble Tebow. Okay. I can see that. Clear bubble. Yep. The Leia Poncho is, is really nice. And of course, you know, people are always drawn to Darth Vader, um, especially 
The one offered on the Kenner Canada card, the 77 back, is the original photo. Um, so there's a photo where he's swinging a lightsaber, and then there's one where it's a close-up where he's pointing, which was a later change. Um, but this this still retains the original photo. So, um, yeah, I think because of the clear bubble, it's probably the Tebow. It's just he's a lesser he's a lesser character. So I just I wonder if someone like Alea or the Darth Vader is going to draw in a higher value. Yeah, well, it looks like Tebow's at four hundred already, and uh, Leia's at two forty two, Vader's at two twenty. And then what was the other one? Uh, R2 with the sensor scope. Yeah, that, he's at 220. So right now the leader in the clubhouse is uh, Tebow. Okay. Yeah, I guess it, it's it's a little surprising to see that, but then, you know, at an 85 with a clear bubble, it's not that surprising. Um, now we're coming to a figure. This is uh, 1814, uh, if you're following along with us. And... Matt, this is one that you had a a, a pretty interesting uh, thought on. So, eighteen fourteen is the Return of the Jedi seventy seven back A Wicket W Warwick. Uh, it's the little Ewok figure, and it's graded at an eighty five Y. Yeah, and I almost think they should change this to eighty five O because this bubble is it's like legit orange. It's usually, you know, yellow bubble. It's just that it's yellow. This thing has moved well past yellow it's stage. Brown. Yeah, and it is. I mean, you could see where the bubble is in front of the <laughs> the racetrack, and I mean that's like straight up orange. It's true. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it still is a nice. It still is a really nice figure, though. Uh, straight eighty fives really tough to find. Um, one of the issues that comes up with a lot of these wickets is when you're, you're looking at one, if you're looking to buy one and you have it in hand, um, always turn it um, so that you can see the bottom of the feet. Because uh, for some reason, with some of these figures, um, the way that the plastic, or there, there's some chemical reaction in it where it starts to get this almost green spotting uh, in the plastic on the bottom of the feet. And, um, you know, if you're sending one in to be graded, uh, they, they will, uh, they will, basically ding the score because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but so it, you know, for us, we can't tell right now. I'm assuming that, that this one is, is okay. Um, but yeah, so Matt, you had a a really interesting, uh, outlook on, on this little guy. Well, yeah, I always was curious because I always found it odd that it's wicked W Warwick and there, there's a W meaning that (laughs) the Ewoks have middle names. Like they've, They've evolved so much that they've got middle names. And, and they've evolved where they've abbreviated their middle names too. Yeah, I don't these these Ewoks just continue to surprise me with their uh their uh I guess how advanced they were that they've they've even got middle names. Now, I w- we were talking yesterday and um I don't know if you've watched the new willow shows uh they did a little preview of it where warwick davis is talking with his fellow castmates like introducing them and getting folks ready for the new willow show but during that he goes out of his way to say that his last or his name is pronounced warwick and you don't say the second w it's not warwick it's warwick so i'm wondering if 
that is the reason his last name, again, Ewoks have last names. It, <laughs> I wonder if that's where they got the last name for Wicked is from Warwick Davis. Well, see, you would think that Ewoks have last names, but most of these Ewoks do not. Like we've seen with with all the other characters, it's just it's one name. It's Tebow, um, Weechi, Warrock, um, Lumat, and then we get Wicket W. Warwick. Do you know what his middle name is? You told me yesterday, and I immediately forgot it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I thought it'd be really funny if his middle name was Warrock, so it would be. Wicket Warrock. Warwick? Wicket Warrock Warwick. But 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 he's no, the original, it's not. He's the original WWW. <laughs> His middle name apparently is Wistry, and that comes from Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Wistry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wicket Wicket Wistry Warwick. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, really now, tough to say. Well, I don't know if uh, anyone else has ever wondered that, but it always caught my eye. So are we are we to agree that, that he is probably the most sophisticated of the Ewoks? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. I, I want to know who he was named after. Like, is there a Wistry backstory? And was Wistry his father or his grandfather, some great warrior in the tribe? That was important enough for Kenner to put it on the toy. Surely someone's gone through and done a backstory on this. I don't think there's any other toy that we've seen that has a middle initial. It's not prune C face. (laughs) Right? right? Does Luke Skywalker even have a middle name? Chad. Luke Chad Skywalker? (laughs) I like it. Wistry. Actually, his middle name, it's Luke W. Skywalker. It'd be Is great it? if all of them were uh, W. So Leia W. Organa. Luke would be uh, Wormy. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Wistry would have been a nice name, though, for Luke. Luke Wistry Skywalker. Man, yeah, so it. so this this war, this wicked Warrock Warwick, uh, <laughs> it's so hard to say. Um, what do we think this one's going to sell for? Again, yellow bubble, 77 back, unpunched, no price stickers, straight 85s, really orange bubble. Uh, the estimate is $400 to $700. Current bid right now is 200 I think it'll go for 5W100. <laughs> okay. 5W100, that, that's quite a bit for this one. Um, I'm going to say slightly lower at 4W100. Four Wistry hundred. Four Wistry hundred. Okay. Well, it does have the orange bubble. Did you factor that into? That's why I bumped it down to four hundred. Because I, I think, I think this is likely a three to three hundred fifty dollar piece. Um, although Wicket is exceptionally popular, um, he's the most beloved uh, Ewok and probably one of the most popular. Return of the Jedi characters, um, just because people love him. He's little, he's cuddly, he's cool, uh, he's a warrior, um, he's an accountant on the side. Um, yeah, so yeah, you got to think he's got a business card if he's uh, if he's throwing <laughs> his middle initial out there so haphazardly. <laughs> yeah, um, you got the uh, you got the old Ewoks shows, the Caravan of Courage, and the 
Muppets Take Manhattan or what, what's what's the other one? No, you nailed it with the Muppets Take Manhattan. Is that it? What, what was the other one called? Caravan of Courage. Caravan of Courage. And, and nope. um, the Ewok Adventure. Sure. Well, I, they got I those, like the idea of the Ewoks Take Manhattan though. <laughs> they got they got those on the uh, on the Disney Plus now. So a whole new generation of people will not tune to in to watch them too. Sit through that and never <laughs> watch it again. Yeah. It's so random yeah. that they got Wilford Brimley on there. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's I remember casting choice. I thought it was really sweet though when he passed away. Um, cause Wilford Brimley passed away a few years ago, uh, that people st- in the, in the star Wars collecting community just sent out all these tributes all over Facebook, um, to him because he was part of the star Wars world. And I've, I've had friends, um, who have met him at conventions. I don't think he's done any star Wars conventions, but he does a lot of like the, where he used to do some of the, the pop culture conventions and, um, they were really excited and they brought a, car- a caravan of courage poster and, um, you know, different, different items relating to the movie. But, uh, I th- always thought that was just really nice that, you know, uh, his popularity extended into our world, uh, as Star Wars collectors. Well, are you familiar with the Wilford Brimley line? No. You heard of this before. So true story. A Wilford W. Brimley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Wilford W. Wistry. Brimley line. So on, tw- <laughs> on Twitter, I don't know. I don't know how this all started, but, at some point, oh, wait. You mean do you, you? You don't mean like a line of items. You're talking about like like, like his it's line. Some, it's something called the Wilford Brimley line. And so, no. someone at one point threw out. This was years ago. They threw out something like, um, "Can you believe that Tom Cruise is Wilford Brimley's age when he filmed? Uh, or he's the same age when he filmed." Mission Impossible 6 that Wilford Brimley was when he filmed Cocoon or something like that. Yes. It might yes. not be exactly that. But that like ever since that came into popular culture, someone started this thing called the Wilford Brimley line on Twitter. And it tells us exactly when famous celebrities crossed that line. <laughs> and that line being Wilford Brimley's age when Cocoon came out. Wow. So anyway, I don't know how we got from Wicket to Wilford Brimley, but Caravan of here, Courage. Real simple. Here we are. <laughs> All right, we should probably move on to the next one. Okay, so this one now is actually one of the most popular currently items uh, in this 77 back group, uh, or at least the most expensive. And you're not even being facetious. I'm not being facetious at all, I promise you. Uh, This was an absolute shock to me. Uh, So this is is lot number 1816. It is a B-Wing pilot, um, one of the rarest figures in the galaxy. Uh, it is the B-Wing pilot, uh, 77 back A, graded at an 85. And Matt, what is the current price of this very common figure, often thought of as as maybe the, the least popular figure in the Star Wars Return of the Jedi line? Um, yeah, so just to kind of preface this, it's got a figure grade of 90 and a bubble grade of 90. But when this was originally graded, it was clear. Since then it has developed a slight tinge of yellow to it. So hopefully whoever is bidding on this read the description. Um, But assuming that they did, all that said, it is right now sitting at $512. Oh my God. On a $200 to $400 
guess or uh, range, I guess. And again, it, like like the other ones that we've been talking about, unpunched, no price stickers, really high grade. The the gun is is still taped to the blister. Um, it is really nice, and you can actually the, the the yellowing you can really see around the edges of it, so it's not necessarily on the front of the bubble. Um, Matt, I was thinking about this earlier today. I purchased two of them, I believe, in 2017 or 2018 at New York Comic Con. Both graded 85s, clear bubble, and, and true clear bubble. Haven't they haven't yellowed or anything yet? Um, how much do you think I paid for them each? Fifty dollars. Forty. Uh, it is it is shocking to see this. I mean, one. That's basically the cost of grading. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And here they are going for, they're already at 500. Goodbye there, sir. Very goodbye. <laughs> so the value code on this, and I think Hakes was more, you know, um, in line with, with our thinking on this one is that it's two to $400, right? Uh, it has a lot going for it. Um, it's a character that really has never gotten the love that it deserves. It's, it's a great, it's a great figure, a uh, great sculpt, um, it looks really nice on the card back too, but you know it it had kind of fallen into that sort of peg warmer category that we've seen with some of the Empire Strikes Back figures and some of these Return of the Jedi figures. Um, it's but, probably uh, because a you had to get the B wing to really want this figure, right? And then B the B wing. F- ships themselves were fairly expensive back in the day they were um and they were just in the movie for a brief second like most of their footage got edited out in the final cut um they did play a much more prominent role in in an earlier cut um but unfortunately you know they just eh, most of the footage with the b-wings ended up on the cutting room floor um so i'm sure that had a huge effect on why this figure is was sitting on so many pegs. I think this figure of all the characters appeared with a KB sticker more than anybody else. <laughs> Probably right. Yes. And a clearance KB sticker. Yes. 79 cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, two for a dollar. Um, but you know what though, just looking through the catalog right now, if you were to look at all of the, the figures and not necessarily the card art, just the figures, this figure has a red jumpsuit and it pops more than, any other figure I can think of, you know, I mean, just as far as it being really bright and eye catching mm-hmm. and, you know, you would think that that would be something that would grab kids' attentions, uh, in, in a toy store. But yeah, this one, it just, it never caught on. I think it's starting to, uh, it's funny. We, as collectors, we, uh, obsess over little things like the accessories that, that come with these figures and the small, tiny Endor blaster that comes with the B-Wing pilot which makes sense that he would have an Endor blaster mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, <laughs> being in space. But, um, but that blaster has really risen in value. And mm-hmm. at a, there was a time where, I mean, you could get, you know, a regular carded B-wing pilot for anywhere between 20 and $40. And now um, the, the blaster itself is, is really kind of approaching that $50 mark. So we've seen a jump an interest in the B-wing pilot, we've seen a, a jump in the price of the the weapon as well, and now you know we're seeing a, pr- a price jump for this figure. Uh, the B-wing was in uh, Rebels, I believe. It was uh, introduced, or or its its origins were shown in an episode of Rebels. 
uh, as a prototype. And, and then, you know, it's, it's been in some of the other uh, films and series and stories. So, so Matt, does this go higher than $500? $512 and 60 cents. No. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it, it feels it feels a little too high right now. So yeah, I think I don't I don't see this thing as as picking up any more momentum. I can't. I I don't know. I can't see it's because it's got the yellow bubble. I just can't see it going any higher. It's already like crazy high. I mean, to your point, you paid forty dollars what four or five years ago. Um. So I would be shocked if it went higher. But do we do we know why it's called the B wing? Because X-Wing, you know, the wings are in the shape of an X. Y-Wing, wings in the shape of a Y. The general outline of the A-Wing is an A. Do we know why this is called a B-Wing? No, I'm not sure. Interesting. Surely there's a a good explanation out there for it. It was invented by Chad B-Wing Warwick. Uh, so I think they just took his middle name and uh, and put it on there. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That makes total sense. That I would be shocked if that wasn't it. Okay, here's a little information about the B wing. Um, the ASF dash O one B wing starfighter, also designated as the ASF O one B wing assault starfighter, more commonly referred to as the B wing, was a heavily armed Rebel Alliance single pilot starfighter and bomber manufactured by Slane and Corporal. The B wing saw action during the Galactic Civil War and was subsequently substituted by the B wing Mark II. That did not help at all. <laughs> I thought it was. Let's see. Um, I wonder if it was like a Lucasfilm deal. Where they had an A wing and they just call it called it a B wing just because it was uh you know, here's Okay, wait a second. Plane is A and then here's version two is B. I found it. So the name B Wing, and this is from again Wikipedia. The name B Wing came from the craft's appearance to a B when upright. The outline of the upper half and the lower half makes a B shape, although its sword-like shape in tack mode has earned it the nickname Blade Wing, which may be another reason for the B prefix. Wait, what? Yeah, I don't know. On, <laughs> no, on, what, <laughs> on what planet does it make a B shape when the wings are out? Thanks for nothing, Wikipedia. Unbelievable. <laughs> I don't buy it. I think they're just trying to look smart. You know what's going to happen? Um, one of us is going to call the other one in the middle of the night at some point in the in the far future. And and the conversation is going to be one-sided and it's just going to say, I see it. I see the B now. <laughs> uh. Okay, so... So we think that that this one will will kind of sit at the five hundred and twelve dollar mark. Um, if it were a clear bubble, I could see it going up to seven hundred dollars easily. Um, you know, again, yeah. just hard to find yeah. uh, in this condition, or unless you're at my house. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the next one that we're looking at now uh, is is another heavy hitter. It is. <laughs> The uh, it's number eighteen eighteen and it is the Star Wars Return of the Jedi ATST driver seventy seven back B uh, AFA eighty five Y 
you may know this one from uh, the clearance bins of your Kmart's, Toys R Us, Child World, Drugstore. Um, yeah, this, this is, is one. This is essentially the imperial version of the B-Wing pilot. <laughs> like both both figures show the <laughs> – they're such lame <laughs> figures. Both of them show the vehicles that they ride on as opposed to the actual character you're going to be getting. Right? Yes. Uh, they both come with these dinky little guns that are immediately lost. Like the I same think gun. you were yeah. contractually obligated to throw it in the trash as soon as you <laughs> opened it. No, you were supposed to walk it outside and just heave it into the grass as far as you can. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, these were both in the clearance bins because the parents either didn't want to invest in the vehicle and then also get the figure. Because, you know, Kinder kind of pigeonholed itself into saying it's an ATST driver. I can't, you can't use this thing to drive anything else. Like it won't, it won't work if you want them to f- drive your ad at. It's got to be the ATST. Right. The card back is essentially an advertisement for the, the second part of the purchase. Yeah. Um, it's funny. So the sculpts for the B Wing pilot and for the ATST driver, I think, are beautifully done. They are really nice, um, especially if you've ever seen a, a hard copy. Uh, or a sculpt for it. Like it's just, they're, they're gorgeous. Um, are these lemon pieces? I thought, I thought the B wing pilot was. Yeah. I'm pretty sure B wing pilot is. Um, I'm going to look it up really fast. One ATST sec. driver looks like it would be a lemon. It's, it's who, got who, that when you say of, lemon, what do you mean? Uh, Bill lemon. So there was, um, one of the contracted, artists that Kenner used a lot was this guy, Bill Lemon. Um, I mean, he's, he's was in the toy business for decades before star Wars came out. Um, but he sculpted primarily in acetate rather than wax. And so it was, you know, that medium is very hard to use, but it, the pieces that he sculpted have a unique look to them because they're, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've been looking at acetate uh, sculpts for a while and in researching Bill Lemon and stuff like that, that they just, to me, have a unique look to them. Um, he was, he was um, used a lot when it was um, a lot of mechanical stuff. So when, um, you know, you might have um, some gears or, or something that more rigid in nature, uh, he was used a lot. Um, but here, like, I don't know that it, there's a, a certain symmetry to his outfit that just kind of, I don't know, lends itself to looking like an acetate piece and something that he may have done. You were right. I just went back and I looked in, in, um, my, my research for, I did a, a um, an episode with our friend Gary Borbage, um, on Bill Lemon and uh, I had researched into which ones, which pieces he had done, and he actually he did the B-wing pilot and the ATST driver. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It just it looks like his work. Hmm. Good call. But yeah, so these are really nice sculpts. It, it's funny. Um, I've never been a huge fan of the ATST driver, but that card back, and especially this one where it it's a seventy-seven back B, so it has on the front of it, it's um, the seventy-seven back B is an offer. Uh, card where it has a sticker um, for um, 
a free Anakin Skywalker figure if you send in proofs of purchase. And just with that that red and yellow sunburst sticker on it, and with these colors and this figure and, and the shot of the ATST in, uh, on the card, it just reminds me of my childhood, of the 80s. To me, it's like it's the perfect 80s figure card back and and figure. And um, it's just there, there are certain pieces that we as collectors who grew up with these um, films and characters, when we see certain items, it brings us right back. Um, and, and I can almost, you know, I can almost feel the day that I that I got this piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so really nice one. Uh, this is a, a 77 back B graded at straight 85s unpunched. It does have a price sticker on it. Um, yeah. So Matt, where do you think this popular character is going to wind up? Let's see how many thousands of dollars. <laughs> uh, you're no, going to be I severely think, disappointed. <laughs> I think it'll be at, uh, 350 bucks. Okay. I think that's a fair one. Yeah. Do you think the, um, offer sticker hurts this one? Cause the ones that we've seen so far with the 77 A's they're offerless. So you can really see the card back image. Um, whereas this one obscures it a little bit. Yeah, I think it'll hurt a little bit. Prevent it from getting up to that four or five hundred bucks, but yeah. Um, who knows? Maybe uh, someone just needs this for their Anakin offer sticker run. Um, never know. This this is one of the nicer ones. You, you see a lot of these figures in like eighty five and ninety condition. Um, just they were so <laughs> not in demand back then. So a lot of yeah, they're quite plentiful. They're quite plentiful, but I, I would argue that it is tough to get one in a really nice condition because, again, they were. I would equate it as you said; it's, it's the imperial version of the uh, of the B wing pilot, um, where they they really did sit on store shelves for years and and in bins. Yeah, for sure, for sure. This this one clearly did not. No. No, really nice piece. Uh, some of the 77Bs are a little harder to find, too. So, um, I mean, th- you know, this this one has something going for it. Yeah. Okay, well, Matt, I think we're approaching your favorite figure now. Um, I, I, we had to devote a lot of time to this one here. Um, for the next 45 minutes. Here we get the Klaatu's Gift Guard. Now, is this the hardest figure to find in Clear Bubble in the uh, entire line? I think the Emperor is. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, but Klaatu is really. It's. I can't think of. I don't think I've seen one. Uh, I had mentioned to you yesterday. I I owned one uh, with a Clear Bubble, but it had that yellow tray. And again, that's one of the reasons why a number of these characters are so hard to find with Clear Bubbles, um, because they were produced in you know. In the later part of the line, which for some reason they all, the bubble's always yellow, but any character with a tray, that tray is usually going to, to yellow uh, first. So uh, this one is is yellowed. Uh, it's straight eighty fives. Uh, so Matt, why do you hate this figure so much? Well, I think hate's a strong word. Um, it's just crazy that of all the characters to get a second figure. Klaatu was deemed important enough to to do that. I mean, we've got main That's characters true. that uh, only there's only one Obi Wan, one Vader, 
one stormtrooper, but we got two Klaatus, and then he was just in one movie. And we got no Tarkins. It's true. What, and then I have no idea what his weapon is. <laughs> it's like some kind of, it's like a bow staff, and then just like this muffler that's attached to it at the bottom. <laughs> I don't know, if, like, is it, I have no idea what it is. It, it, is it like, is he a moisture farmer on the side? And this is like some kind of a, an implement for that cause. It looked like somebody started it and then someone else finished it with their own idea. Well, it looks like two people independent of one another put a weapon idea together and then just mashed them together. I have no idea what his weapon is. None. Hmm. Even if you told me exactly what it was, it, it wouldn't make much sense. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I think I mentioned this to you before, but the only I, the only way I used it as a child was to balance Klaatu from falling over. I, there was no there's no real purpose to it. Is um, he like, like a tightrope walker? Is that like a? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I used it where um, it was long enough where as he held it, it would support him as as almost like a like a like, like a, a third, third leg. leg. So like yeah. a tripod. So do you yeah. call him tripod? No, uh, really interesting backstory on uh, Klaatu. So his real name is Wicket Warwick. Uh, and that's why uh, for the Ewok, they they included the the middle initials to differentiate him. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought you were going to say his name was Woof. His name is Woof or one of the Klaatus. So, Kla- so – <laughs> With a lot of these characters, um, the names that were given to them are not their real names. Um, it's more like their species, I guess, or their race. So Weequay is not the character's real name. Nikto and um, and Klaatu aren't their real names either. And I yeah. think Kenner Kenner called the original Klaatu figure Woof. So it's possible that this Klaatu and the other... Klaatu with the skirt are different characters. Right. Gotcha. Same species, two different characters. Gotcha. So we don't call, like Luke's, Luke wasn't called human. <laughs> Chewbacca this, wasn't called android. So, I don't know, I wish Kinder would have gone the extra mile and given these people some names. And I think you made a really good point. Well, no, no, but you made a really good point um, earlier uh, with the Empire stuff, where we had the Imperial Commander, and if we had a name like General Veers, I think people would have felt more connected to that specific character. Yeah, I think so too. And I understand, like for the first movie, they were so like behind the eight ball trying to get that stuff out that you know Lucasfilm probably didn't have any time to give a backstory and a name to each of the Cantina denizens, but sure, um, sure. Heck, we're in the we're in Return of the Jedi by now. It seems like they could have figured that stuff out and given these guys their proper names. Like Something they get, better they, than Prune Face. Yeah, they, Bib Fortuna was called Bib Fortuna. He wasn't called Twilight. Right. I don't know. Well, now we take a break from the um, from the newer characters and we we go back to an older one uh, that. Seems to be pretty popular right now. Uh, we have a 77 back Boba Fett, and uh, this is it's it's an unpunched card, uh, yellow bubble, uh, but it's a 77 back A. Uh, this is a lot 1820. The overall grade is a 70, 
So the card received a 70, the figure received a, an 80, and the um, the bubble received an 80. But uh, th- so this this particular one is different from a lot of the Boba Fett's that we've seen before. Matt, do you know the difference? Yeah, this one's got the alternate card back. So they changed the card art for, I don't know, half dozen, a dozen characters um, during the Return of the Jedi. So a lot of the releases from like um, the first movie primarily, but then like Yoda, I think got like a second card art. Um, so I know that card art, like different card art, art exists for Chewie, for Han, for Luke, for Ben. Uh, we got the Boba Fett here. Um, let's see, what am I missing? Vader. I think that's it. So this is one of those examples. Now this one's kind of cool. Now, the original Fett with the star background and the fireball. That that's like, you know, on the Mount Rushmore card backs. Uh, this one's, you know, he's. Uh, it's that from the Battle of Tatooine um, when they're fighting uh, Jabba trying to escape the Sarlacc. It was taken from that time, but it's, it looks like his feet and legs and the bottom of his cape are poorly airbrushed. Is that is that right? So I believe that this is the image in which his legs were added on, that they didn't have the full image. Um, so they added, they airbrushed in the lower half of his body. Yeah, it looks like it because it just looks terrible. And I, I've never understood why this one was so like popular because that airbrushing is so bad. I think because it was one of these rare later releases, um, you know, where you just you didn't see as many like this. It was a, a different image of a very popular character. Um, for collectors now, this has become a very that this the 77 back a and beyond has become very collectible because uh the figure was made in taiwan mm-hmm. so for a while we've had the hong kong variant and now you know we've introduced this taiwan variant that the colors are slightly different and you can really tell on on the belt where the belt is um the belt for the hong kong figure is a lighter brown and this one is is a, dark, a much darker one mm-hmm. and um the blaster Getting into into the weeds on this one, so the the um, the blaster has been known as the the version five blaster um, for a few years, and uh, during the quarantine, uh, it's become one of the hottest accessories uh, to purchase um, because people are looking for it because it only it, it it was only released with this particular Boba Fett figure, so. Um, you know, we've seen the blaster alone sell for $150. So this, this isn't the infamous all black that came with Luke Stormtrooper. This is a different no. one altogether. Yeah, this is, it's just, it's a dark blue blaster, but um, it has, there are specific elements to it um, where it's a different sub mold and it was only released, I believe, with the, the um, Taiwan Boba Fett. So it's just become a very popular accessory and um, and the figure has become uh, much more desirable. Interesting. I could not care less about all those variants. And <laughs> I I don't keep up with that at all. For those folks that do, great. You know, more power to you. Um, that's just not been something that I've really 
care too much about. So if you say so, I'll take your word for it. So this Matt, one, right now, uh, this one's at thirteen hundred dollars uh, with a value code of two thousand to five thousand dollars as the estimate. Where do you think this one winds up? Got the dual price stickers, seventy card. Yellowing's not too bad. I'm gonna go with twenty five hundred. Okay, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I think because it is Boba Fett, we could see it hit that you know three thousand to thirty five hundred dollar range too. Um, I do think the price sticker over Boba Fett's head on the card back and um, another one over the logo might might hurt it a little bit, um, even more so than the grade itself. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll see. Um, right next to it, we have. The loose Taiwan Boba Fett, which has been graded at an 80 plus. So this is lot 1821. Um, Matt, you and I were, were kind of shocked and surprised to see where this is already um, for a loose Boba Fett figure. Uh, it's graded at an 80 plus. And uh, what is the price currently for this one? It is currently at $300 with three bids. So the value code on this is 400 to $700, which... Seems like a lot. That just blows my mind. There are thousands, thousands of these out there, tens of thousands. Um, it it shocks me how a a figure so common could be worth at least three hundred bucks. And I would say most collectors are are like you, in which they don't care about the specific sub mold of a of a blaster and accessory that comes with it as long as it's you know a dark blue accessory it looks great if you know if you're just displaying it in your your collection you could really go to any toy show and pick one up for under a hundred dollars maybe not with the blaster but yeah no hey to each his own sure uh, yeah that's something it, that i understand but um i know that there's a just a a ton of folks out there that concentrate on on loose and trying to get every variant out there that exists and educating folks on what the difference between version one and version five of a blaster is and um, yeah there's a lot of folks out there that collect it so it, it I guess on one hand it's given how common they are it's shocking to see a four hundred seven hundred four hundred to seven hundred dollar estimate but Knowing how many different variant collectors are out there, I'm I'm sure this is you know one of those kind of top prizes for those folks. So, well, it's interesting too. Um, so, I I had purchased two loose Boba Fetts over the course of my uh, collecting so far, and uh, one was a Hong Kong graded uh, at a ninety, and then one was a Taiwan graded at a ninety plus. I got very lucky with both of them. Um, but I learned that the Taiwan, as as nice as the Taiwan figure looked, it seemed like for every 10 Taiwan figures that were graded at a 90, only one of them was graded at a 90 in a Hong Kong. So, hmm. um, yeah, so I mean, finding a Taiwan in, in good condition um, seems to be less difficult than finding a Hong Kong. Interesting. And that might be because... A lot of the Hong Kong ones were made in the in the uh, at the end of the seventies and in the very early eighties, uh, and so maybe the you know the, 
the paint application techniques weren't as as good. And this one certainly has a lot of paint apps on it. So, yeah, yeah, this was the first figure that they used. I think five paint apps. I remember talking to the gal who was in charge of uh, production design on that second wave. So the the twenty backs, and then also FET, and she was telling me that they wanted to get, they made a conscious effort to get more color into the line from that second wave, the 20 backs, because the first 12 figures were also monochromatic and earth tones, blacks, whites, grays, browns. Um, so they made an effort to color up the line in that second release, but they did so mainly by just using different colors of plastic rather than a lot of different paint ops. And she said like they had a strict budget, like it, I think it was like something that's probably not hundred percent accurate, but directionally it's right. 22 cents was what the, the budget was to make a figure. And I remember she was telling me like when they came out with the FET, like they got approval to add another cent to take it to 23 cents by adding another paint op, like another paint color. Um, so, you know, that's one of the reasons why FETs are hard to get in exceptional condition because there was that extra uh, paint color so that it, there's a, a greater chance for, um, you know, paint coming off or chipping off just because, you know, more of the surface area is covered by paint. So there's a greater chance of, of that happening. Um so it's it's interesting that like that's the figure that's become the most popular and that has the greatest chance of paint loss. And the fact you found two nineties just out there, um it's pretty remarkable because they're they're really tough to find in that shape. I remember I I think I bought the um the Taiwan one for twenty dollars at a toy show. I just I saw it and I said, Oh my gosh, I have to have it. And um the, the same seller had a Jawa for a hundred dollars. And I just thought, I, I think, you know, maybe maybe he took guesses as far as prices, but um, that one I, you know, I thought was shocking. And that one graded a 90 plus. Wow. Um, yeah, which is just stellar. And then um, the Hong Kong one um, I had picked up for $40 on eBay. I just, I saw a picture of it and I thought, oh my gosh, this one is just beautiful. So but, uh, yeah, it is, it is difficult to get one in, in that range. Um, but uh, you know, being on the Facebook groups um, here, you know, in these larger auctions, and then uh, even on eBay, um, if you hunt long enough, especially if you can go to a toy show and, and you can actually, you know, hold them in your hands and and examine them, uh, if you're looking for 85s, uh, you will be able to find them. So, and and the prices aren't crazy for them, but hmm. yeah. Uh, so, is it is it a safe assumption to say that we think that this will go higher than 300? Yeah, uh, we're so we're, it's early on. I mean, we're not even to the range yet. It should get into that range. Okay. Um, this next row of characters, I think I'm just going to put all four out here. So it's uh, lots 1822 to 1825, and they're all 77 backs. We have a 77 back A Nikdo graded at an 85, uh, a prune face, a 77 B prune face graded at an 85. 77A prune face graded at an 85, and uh, 77A 88 droid graded at an 85. 
Mm. Um, is there one that stands out to you among these? Well, the 8D8 sticks out the most to me. A um, couple reasons. Obviously, he was a big part of Jabba's court, or uh, uh, Boba Fett's court in Book of Boba Fett. <clears throat> I was shocked to hear that he, he's got this like random British accent. It's not really robotic. <laughs> um, but this one's got um, exceptional grades. Like it's got a, a 90 bubble and a 90 figure grade, and then an 85 card grade. Uh, it's unpunched, no stickers, um, and it's not terribly yellow. Like, you know, we've seen the Wicket was like basically orange, but this one, while it has yellowed quite a bit, it's not like terrible. Um, I would like to use this opportunity to, to call out something that's always kind of bothered me, and it's on this card back. Yeah, you can see a little bit of it, but here we have a droid that's torturing another droid. <laughs> and it just doesn't make any sense to me because, like, why would droids have central nervous systems? Like, how, how is power, like, power droids basically like like a, a battery pack with legs? Like, why would they invest the amount of money and space and capacity limitations that a central nervous system would take up? in lieu of like more capacity for power. Like (laughs) it's never really set right with me. And here I, I, you can see the little hot coil that's going to mash up against this poor power droids feet. And, uh, we've got this like devious look on this 88's face. (laughs) Like he's taking pleasure in it. Uh, anyway, it's just, I've always found that pretty interesting. Well, fortunately for you, Matt, we have George Lucas here on the phone with us now. Uh, he's calling in, so uh, and he's ready to answer your question. So, uh, George, if, uh, if hello again, and, and thank you for all you've done, and, and if you wouldn't mind, if you could just explain um, why you've given some of these droids a central nervous system. Oh, I'm sorry. I think. Uh, Did we lose think, them? Yeah, I think. Yeah, we, we lost them. them. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll try again. Yeah, maybe next episode. Um, yeah. No, but that's a good point, Matt. You're absolutely right. Um, are you an 88 fan? Yes. I think it's a cool figure. Now this is one of the coolest sculpts that, that they did. Um, they, they patterned it in two up. So it's one of the, the rare, um, figures from the main line that was sculpted at two to one, uh, size scale and then pantographed down to the, the production three and three quarter inch scale. So it was twice uh, the size. It was sculpted at twice the size. That's what a two up is exactly and it looks like the the figure like the card art like there's a reversed image like the luke original luke was reversed this figure you can tell because of the brown markings it has on its chest it's on the other side on the card um versus the toy but um i think it's a cool figure um so this one hasn't I did like I I like the fact it was in uh that they're using some of these old background characters from the original trilogy in some of these newer shows. It's yeah, it is really nice to see them have uh more of a personality and, and more of a, a story as well, too. Yeah. And it would make sense that he would still be there. Like who are you gonna sell that off to? 
Like it would make sense that they would repurpose them for some useful task other than torturing poor droids. Yeah. Torturing and branding, right? Is he branding him? Oh no. I think EV 99 does the branding. Yeah, I think that's right. This one, this guy's pure torture here. <laughs> okay. So you're just, you're drawn to the, the evil. Look at his eyes, man. This guy's like, this guy's uh hardcore. It was shocking to me that he had like this, like British Butler voice <laughs> during the show. <laughs> like he's this yeah. hardcore, like torture droid. And now he, he sounds like Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> That 1980s reference was brought to you by Matthew George. Um, if you were to guess, though, among these these four, the Nikto, the two prune faces, and the 88, um, which one do you think will sell for the highest? Our boy 88. Yeah, I think so, too. It's just, uh, I think Mark Vanis already has prune face on card, so I can't imagine there's much interest in those two. And then... The Nikto, like this is another one that would be like in the running for most often seen with clearance price sticker on it. Absolutely. Um, this particular example, straight 85, but the yellowing is is pretty substantial on this one. Like it's almost entered that orange phase. Um, this is another guy that, like, what is this weapon? <laughs> Like this is, it's not as inexplicable as the Klaatu skiff, but almost like it's like an axe, but it doesn't have like an, like a blade on it. No, it looks like somebody's uncle whittled a guitar. It's like someone in 1980 was like, what are guitars going to look like in the year 2100? And like, this is it. (laughs) Yeah. It's, um, believe it or not, uh, this one is just really tough to find in an 85 condition. I've been hunting one for 10 years now. It's been driving me crazy. Um, and you know, the, the biggest problem too is these yellow to the point where they, a lot of times you do see them as, you know, kind of that amber gold. And, um, Nikto has, I think three points on the top of his helmet and those points love to break through the bubble or at mm. least, you know, just kind of pile up into it and, and start to chip mm. away at it. So, um, when, when I was going through the catalog, uh, trying to figure out if I was interested in, in you know, going for any uh, from the Jedi line, uh, this was one of the ones that I, I had stopped on and was considering. But I would I'd be terrified to have something like this shipped, um, mm-hmm. and just you know, even just you know, again, just with the the yellowing on the figure. But my gosh, as an example, gorgeous. Uh, no price mm-hmm. stickers, as you said. No clearance stickers. It's unpunched. Um, really hard to find. So. I do hope this one sells well, and uh, I hope that there is interest in this. I think it's a great piece. I just, um, I don't know. It the hunt be. continues. No. Yeah, it's interesting. This 8D8 is already at $440. So the really, range wow. is, yeah, the range is two to 400 So do you think that's due to the Book of Boba Fett then? Uh, a large part of it, yes. There definitely is renewed interest in this character. Um, but, you know, it's, the, like I mentioned earlier, it's not as yellow as the Nikto. Um, it's got two 90 subgrades. 
no price sticker unpunched. So, I mean, 77 backs are notoriously hard to find in clear condition. So, you know, 99% of them are going to have some kind of yellowing to it. So this is about as good as you'll find uh, for the 88. Yeah, that makes sense. And and you're right. I think, you know, the fact that Lucasfilm has now given him much more of a role and, and a personality, uh, people are probably connecting with him more. And um, yeah, this is it's a perfect example. It makes for a really nice display. Um, if you if you look at the label, the AFA label, you can see that it's actually an older grade. Um, there are very slight differences, and a lot of it is the positioning of the the um, the letters and and the um, the scan code on it. Um, especially the subgrades, the subgrades are are kind of shifted left more. Where if you look at a newer label, uh, they're they're shifted to the right and in line with. Um, with the edge of the, the scan code, which again is getting into the, the minutia of it. But at the same time, it helps, you know, from a cursory glance, you can tell that uh, you can often see where, um, when one has been graded or, or whether it's an older grade or not. And, and that matters a lot of times, especially if you're buying clear bubble figures. Mm. Well, um, I was going to bid on this 88 until I, I saw how much it is already. Yeah, it's it's surprising. I mean, I thought it would eventually get into that three or four hundred dollar range, but um, it's quite popular right now among carded figures. Mm, yeah, I've got a nice one. I this would be an upgrade, though. I want to upgrade the one I've got. I actually have a clear bubble, so I have I have one that's graded straight eighty fives and has yellow bubble, and then I have one that's graded a seventy um, that I won in an auction a few years ago, and it's fortunately the the bubble is still clear and it's. Um, I think I only paid something like seventy dollars for it already graded. Wow. Yeah, which nice. you know, just nice to to catch some of these, um, you know, earlier where, uh, you know, to to get one with a clear bubble and and um, but and I'm I'm happy with the seventy. It's it's fine, you know, as long as it stays clear. So, hmm. speaking of clear bubble, eighteen twenty six is a Return of the Jedi Poplu 79 back C graded N85 with a clear bubble. Um, this one is is gorgeous. The, the 79 back figures were the last figures for the original trilogy before we stepped into the Power of the Force line. And um, the 79 back Cs are some of the last ones ever produced. Um, and uh, this one's just really nice. Again, it's an 85 the the card and the bubble are 85s the figures are 90 uh the bubble is still clear the only thing working against it is that it's punched but you know for a lot of people it doesn't really matter um and it has uh, the Anakin it's known as the 79 back C because it has the Anakin offer printed on it uh on on the front of the card back instead of a sticker mm-hmm. and it's um it's at the bottom corner so it's not in the way it's not um you know, over the, the the figure or the um the image of the character at all. So this is so the the seventy nine backs were all made in Mexico, right? I don't know that for a fact. I think they were, and I think a lot of them. If you look on on this one on the back, you can see a hole that was punched right uh, right by Anakin's head on the bottom. Yeah, you're right. It's very common with these, so I don't want people to think like, oh, this has got a hole punched in it. That was very 
common from these made in Mexico figures during this time. I had heard that it was, it was put in there to allow the paint to dry. I don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, I had heard something similar. Okay. Um, this one's got a 90 figure subgrade. So, um, yeah, here we have Papalu W. Warwick. <laughs> and it, uh, man, two, it's only a 200 right now. Yeah. And I'll, I'll admit I, um, I bid on this one. Um, Oh, so you're yeah, I've, I've wanted, uh, I've wanted a Return of the Jedi Poplu for a while. Um, so the the last two characters released, the seventy eight and seventy nine, were um, Poplu and Lumat, and then they transitioned over to the Power of the Force line. Um, but I just, you know, seeing one with a clear bubble on on a card like this, it, it is really difficult to find the seventy nine Cs. Uh, they don't turn up a lot. They were only around for a short time, and uh, so I'm going to see where this one goes but it's just it's a great figure great grade clear bubble um the the ones that were made in mexico tend to have clear bubbles you know or or they tend to have more clear bubbles than yellow ones Mm. um so yeah good luck man hope you get it thank you uh the estimate here is 400 to 700 dollars matt where do you think this turns um i think it'll be 800 Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Very interesting. Clear, yeah, clear bubble. I hope it I hope it uh stays within kind of what you were hoping to pay. But I could see this one um people want to get that 85 85 90 with that 90 subgrade and the clear bubble. I just think that's uh what folks are looking for these days. I would be really happy if it reached uh, that sort of range because, you know, just, just the fact that um, that people cared enough to pay up for a figure like this uh, because I, I think, it, you know, it's beautiful. It's, it's one that you don't usually see. It does have the clear bubble. It's a great character, a really popular character now, um, you know, as part of the, the last 15 or last 17 characters released. Um, yeah, okay. I like that. Yeah, and, and we've seen it too, where any of these Return of the Jedi figures with clear bubbles, uh, they, they do tend to bring in a high premium. Cool to see that pop up. Uh, let's move on to the two-packs. Looks like there's two two-packs. This The values for these are just completely tied to uh, the figures that are in there. Um, given how many different possibilities, combinations there are, um, it's tough to have any kind of a, a read on what these will go for. Usually these are found in not great condition because they were mainly in dump bins at KB. I think they just probably had excess stock of these loose figures and needed to move through them in a quick way. And thus the two pack was born. And the plastic bubbles are not sturdy at all. I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty shoddy. Yeah. And there's nothing printed on the back of these. It's just a generic card. They were the same card used for every combination. Um, so yeah, it's all going to come down to you know condition and then who the characters were. Um, these this are quite is popular. Interesting, yeah, this one's interesting because it was packaged. This is a Bib Fortuna and Snaggletooth. What makes this one cool is that Snaggletooth is upside down, <laughs> and 
I, like, I don't know if there's enough room for him to be turned right side up. If, if, if is he like forever in this upside down position, <laughs> or is this uh, something that by jiggling it in the right way you can turn him back up? But I'm assuming the reason this one's so expensive is because of that. He's backwards I, and upside down. It might also be because it's um, it might be harder to find a character, you know, from the original film, uh, like a Snaggletooth, on one of these two packs. Um, you know, to me, looking at both of them, if if I were just you know going off of personal taste, the Han Hoth and the Leia in the Bausch disguise um, would be more appealing. Uh, that one's currently at eight hundred twenty-five dollars now. And the Bib Fortuna and Upside Down Snaggletooth uh, is at $1,400. Yeah, these were not packed in with weapons, correct? It's just the figures. Right. I think there might have been a few of them that had a weapon. Okay, so looking at these two, Matt, um, which one do you think winds up selling for a, a higher value? I think the one with the Upside Down Snaggletooth. Yeah, I think you're right. It's a packaging oddity. Um, it's currently at $1,431 with seven bids and the value range is 700 to a thousand. So it's already exceeded the high end by quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And then the other with the Leia and Han Hoth, it's 825. So it's in the range. It's at six bids. Um, so I'm guessing that that packaging oddity is going to, be the reason this one's going to be the most expensive. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Next up is one of my favorite pieces from the entire star Wars line. It's one that I, I never had as a child and I still don't own a version of it, but I just love it. I love the sculpt. It is a return of the Jedi rancor monster figure graded at an 85. So it's still sealed. It's graded at an 85. Um, Right now, the estimate is $1,000 to $2,000 on it. It's already at $1,250. I'm shocked at where this one is already. It's at $1,250 with seven bids. Um, value range is $1,000 to $2,000. But these are tough to find in 85 condition. Really uh, tough. Yeah, just the, the, the nature of the, the box and the the insert wasn't that great. And so there's a, there's a lot of uh, open space within the box that made it where the boxes got dinged up pretty easily. Um, and you just very rarely see 85s. So given the book of Boba Fett influence, I could see this one, you know, getting to the higher end of the range and probably, probably even past that 2000. And even though, you know, despite the, the crack in the case, you can always get it re, you know, re, recased up. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Um, I could see this going for, um, somewhere in the 2000 to $3,000 range. Yeah. I think that this is, uh, you know, the tape is, it's nice and clear. I, I think this piece is going to surprise. I do too. I'd like to find a nice one in 85. I've got one, one that's like open. Um, but I'd really like to get a nice example. 
but I think, unfortunately, I think that ship sale, like these are going to start going for some good money now. And for a child growing up in the eighties, it was just such a cool, uh, figure because it was, it was huge. Um, you know, and it was kind of nasty looking and, and just, it worked out really well. And it was one of those that, you know, friends had, and I used to see it and it was just one of those, unfortunately just never had growing up. Yeah. And then it's got the added bonus of having Luke Jedi do the robot on the box art. <laughs> so that's really cool to see. Yeah. You know, I, I give, I give the people who took these photos uh, credit because, you know, the, the articulation really wasn't there for a lot of them. Yeah, that, yeah. I'll never look at this box the same way again. Luke doing the robot. Yeah, you're welcome for that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, this next piece is really cool. It's it's one that you don't normally see. Um, I think we had uh, a first shot conceptual uh, model of Jabba the Hutt in the last um, in the last auction, but uh, so. Matt George, what am I looking at here at lot 1836? So this is something similar was in the last auction. This one's Jabba the Hutt. Um, it's the bottom portion of Jabba, so his belly and his tail. Uh, this one looks like it's a conceptual piece, so it's not what the final version looked like. Um, and it's a rotocast mold. Um Pretty cool to see this pop up. It's two thousand right now, and the the value range is five thousand to ten thousand. And the process of rotocasting was used to create rubberized figures. Right. So basically, um, the way it worked is you you would make a mold. It's hollow. Uh, you would insert the plastic into the mold into the cavity. And then it would spin around like a centrifuge. So roto is short for rotational. So it would just rotate around and around and around. And the, the, the plastic would adhere to the wall. You would let it dry, then you'd pull it out. And you would have your, your, your item. Um, so typically you see this a lot in like hollow, like hollow toys. Um, a lot of uh, toy lines use... We'll have like a plastic body with a a rotomolded head or rotocasted head. Um, like you see that in a lot of like He-Man and Ninja Turtles, early Ninja Turtle stuff. So uh, rotomolding's been around for forever. Um, and it's very very rare you see it in Star Wars, but here's an opportunity to to get a rotomold. And these are pretty cool pieces. Like they. They look like like a prototype, um, very crude. Um, the details on the inside, not the outside, so um, it's not as um, intricate from the outside looking at it. But you could definitely tell that it's uh, it's used in the pre production process. It's a shame it doesn't come with the head because I think that would add much more to it. Um, but it. As, as simple as it looks, it's one of those things that you look at immediately and you say, okay, that's, you know, whether it's conceptual or production, it is, it's job of the hut. Um, so it does have an estimate of five to $10,000 on it. It comes with a, uh, a COA, um, certificate of authenticity from collector investment, collectible investment brokerage. And, um, 
Right now, it's up to $2,000. Matt, do you see it getting into that five dollars to $10,000 range? Um, if it does, it'll just sneak in, I think. Yeah, I tend to agree. Again, I think if the head was there, um, it would probably drum up more interest. But there are a number of Jabba the Hutt and Return of the Jedi collectors uh, who collect prototypes and would be interested in this. So this one will be a fun one to see where it, where it winds up. Okay, and then underneath that, at lot 1837, we have, uh, it was actually the last piece that I ever purchased as a kid or that I was ever, um, that was ever purchased for me as a child. Um, it's the Return of the Jedi Jabba the Hutt Dungeon. And it was produced in 1984. Um, it comes with, there were, there were two different dungeons that were produced. And this one was produced right before the Power of the Force line started. And, uh, and this particular one comes with EV-99, Barada, and a Man. It's, it's the rarer and more desirable one of the, of the two. Um, and uh, it's graded at an 80 plus. It's still sealed. Um, I love this piece so much. In fact, I think this one has a KB uh, sticker on it, which is where I got mine. I think I paid, uh, I think my aunt paid $2.99 for mine. It was clearance from $9.99. Um, mm. Matt, if you had to take a guess where this is going to wind up, where would you be at? The estimate is a thousand to two thousand dollars. I think it'll end up at uh, eighty plus two thousand. Okay, it's currently at sixteen fifty. Uh, so there is definite interest in this one. It's one that you don't usually see, especially sealed like this. Um, what's interesting is that the, the bagged figures, especially because they're power of the force figures, um, they've really risen in value, uh, recently. And I think the EV 99 and, and the Amanda man alone go for something like 350 to $400 each, maybe more. So. Yeah, it's, I, this is definitely helped out by the fact there's three power of the force figures in there mm-hmm. and those figures are going crazy. So. I can see um, this winding up in the twenty three hundred to twenty five hundred dollar range. Yeah, wouldn't shock me. I mean, they can't they can't do the two to five thousand. I think that's a little misleading. So they do the one to two thousand. So I think it'll get to that high end for sure. Okay, and then now we're looking at um, looks to be four box flats. Uh, lots 1838 through 1841. We have an X-Wing ship with battle damage. We have a Scout Walker, an MTV-7, and an INT-4. The last two of those are, are mini rigs. And, um, and these are unused box flats. They are graded by CAS. Um, Matt, what can you tell us about the box flats? Well, all for Revenge of the Jedi. So we, we talked about the Revenge of the Jedi proofs in the previous episode. Um, so these are just the the vehicular versions of a proof for these box flats. So they're um, essentially unused boxes that were sent back uh, to counter for um, approval, sign off, things like that. And they also would, would send these to the, um, the artists who would design the packaging just for their records. And uh, so they'd have a copy of it. Um, I, th- I would imagine that's what these versions are. They don't appear to be 
marked up or anything like that. Um, so I think that these are likely just sent to whoever helped create these. Okay. And it looks like the battle damaged X-Wing and the MTV seven, um, mini rig are, they have an estimate of a thousand to $2,000. And then the scout Walker, the scout Walker has, an estimate of two thousand to five thousand dollars. So Hakes is estimating that one to sell for the most of these four. Um, if you were looking at them and, and you were interested in, in picking one out uh, for your collection, which one would you go for? Um, I've had I've had that uh, battle damage X wing before. Um, it made for a good display. Like I like that box art real well for that. Um. And then I just the Scout Walker seems to be in a lot of media still, and um, it's such an iconic vehicle. It'd probably be one of those two. Um, if I had to choose one, I'd probably take the the uh, X Wing, just because X Wings are infinitely cooler than the Chicken Walkers. I agree. Yeah. Um, they're all nice though, and I do like the fact that they all say "Revenge of the Jedi." I think that that adds to their history. Um, they do have a few bids on here now. Um, you know, right now the the Scout Walker is estimated to be uh, to be in the highest range. Uh, where do you think the Scout Walker winds up? Um, I think it'll be at like twenty five hundred, three thousand, something like that. Okay. Yeah, so sort of the midpoint of its range. Um, the next piece is one that you don't. I don't. I don't think we've really seen. I can't remember seeing it. Um, it is a Return of the Jedi B-wing first shot vehicle. So, I think in the last episode you explained what a first shot was. But um, what are your thoughts on on this B-wing? I mean, this is a really cool piece. Uh, first shot vehicles, for whatever reason, aren't as, honestly, they don't command the prices that a figure would, which has always seemed real strange to me. Um, this one, I know they got like a five to $10,000 range. Um, I would be surprised if they got up into the, the 10,000 area, just because for whatever reason, vehicles just, uh, don't garner the interest as the figures, but this is, this one's really cool. This is a cool vehicle. It's got the, um, the, they're called the gravity controlled cockpit, but it's, um, this is one of the cooler toys. Like just, it's a cool toy. Uh, it was made really well. Um, a lot of play features, a lot of intricacies on the, the design of this figure, this, uh, this vehicle. So, I don't know. This is pretty, pretty cool to me. If, uh, if I was looking at spending money on a first shot, I might put it towards a vehicle rather than maybe one of more of the common first shot figures that come up. It's really nice. And it's just, it's nice to see this. Um, I don't think it comes with the canopy glass for the, the cockpit, but, um, but it looks great. Uh, it is not cased and graded. It's uh, it does come with a uh, certificate of authenticity. It comes from the collection of Gus Lopez, so we know it is genuine. Um, this is a, a hard one to get an estimate for because we just we don't 
as you said, we don't see these turn up like this um, to the public for sale. But uh, if you were going to take a guess, the estimate here is five to ten thousand. I think it'll hit uh, four to five thousand, something like that. Okay, I think that's a fair price. Um, in addition to the first shot, we also have a boxed B-wing vehicle, and that's lot eighteen forty-three, and it is graded at an eighty plus. These are notoriously difficult to get in a high grade and to, to still find them sealed like this. Um, great looking box. Um, you know, the estimate on this one is a thousand to two thousand um, dollars. It's to me, it's one of the cooler boxes that we've seen, mm-hmm. especially for the Return of the Jedi line. Uh, great purple backgrounds and then uh, two different ships on the front and an exploding Death Star as well, too. Um, so, yeah, this looks really nice for a ninety or for an eighty. It's an eighty plus, so it just missed the yeah. eighty five grade. Um, there aren't the, very many of them too in, in this high of a grade. You get the, maybe the one corner there on the front, bottom right, but other than that, man, this thing looks solid. Mm-hmm. And the tape on one side is clear, and on the other side, it's it's slightly yellowed. Yeah, but. Yeah, overall, really nice. And it's nice. You can pair it up with your $500 B-Wing Pilot. <laughs> it's true. Um, What'll go for more, the B-Wing Pilot or this B-Wing? <laughs> what will sell for more, the first shot or the or the sealed B-Wing? That's good. But so this one has an estimate of 1000 to $2,000. Matt, if yeah, you were a betting man... Where would this wind up? Well, I am a betting man. <laughs> um, 2000 Okay. It's nice. It's already got four bids. It's at 700 You don't see these pop up in this great. And this looks like an exceptional 80. So, yeah. I owned one graded at an 85, and it was enormous. Um, I had it. It was so big, I had to put it on a dresser, and it took up almost the entire dresser. And um, <laughs> but uh, but they're they're really hard to find in this condition. Um, did you did you display it next to the B wing pilot? <laughs> no, sadly, I did not. Um, Missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that would have been nice to pair it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm going to say I I think this one will sell for closer to three thousand dollars. And you think it'll bling a lot of money, huh? Oh gosh! You could tell we're at the end of the uh, <laughs> at the end of the series. Here, as our <laughs> jokes get less and less funny. We've given up hope. Um, no, so again, this is a really nice one. Um, in fact, right next to it, eighteen forty four is a Thai interceptor, and it's an AFA eighty. This one is a buy logo. Hmm. Very cool box art. I mean, the tie interceptor is, I mean, that the sunset, the clouds in front of the sun, the great characters. Man, this Vader wishing this guy well. He's like, go kick their butts. And then it's got the, is this a tri logo? No, it, it says by logo. There definitely appears to be three distinct languages in play here, so. 
Action figures sold separately. Actions figurines separate in something. And Octi figurine Los Verkrabibar. I'm just reading the. You nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite the language. You are a language god, yes. Yes. Um, man, it, so it, it's known as it's a It's definitely tri logo because it's got, look at the bottom. I mean, it's got the. It's got the other two languages other than English. Right. On the label, it says by logo, but you're right. It's, it's French and Spanish and English. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, the image looks very similar to the Kenner version, the original, you know, the, um, the domestic Kenner version, but it looks slightly different. And I think it might be that background. Um, or, you know, maybe we're seeing more of it because the, the um, the the logos are, are moved. So mm-hmm. on one side it's English, and then on the other side it's it's um, the by logo French and and Spanish. Uh, you know, two logos next to one another. But um, yeah, the estimate is a thousand to two thousand dollars on this one. Current bid is at seven hundred dollars. Could you see this one taking off and kind of winding up where the the B wing winds up? Uh, no, I don't think it'll get that high. Just because it's by logo or tri logo, whatever. Yeah, I agree, and and I think, I think the B wing is just you know it's it's larger, uh, much harder to find in in you know solid condition like this, and yeah, so. it's an eighty plus also mm-hmm. makes a difference. You want to go down here to the uh, store display? Yeah, this is one that um, we're, we're nearing the very end of the Return of the Jedi section, and, and this is one that just uh, if you're looking at the catalog, it takes up. A lot of real estate on on this one on you know one of the final pages and uh, just really nice. Um, so it's it's the collect all sixty five store display graded at an eighty plus. Um, it has five characters on it. Uh, most prominently is the Emperor's Royal Guard in the front center. Uh, to the right of him is Chief Chirpa. To the left of the guard is Bib Fortuna, and then we have the heads of two of the characters in the back, and it's. Uh, Chewbacca on the left in a growling pose, and then a Gamorrean guard looks like he's kind of uh, sneering a little bit, and he's holding his axe. And then it has a logo, and it says "Collect All Action Figures, Collect All 65" with the Kenner logo at the bottom. This one's graded an 80 plus. Um, Matt, what do you think of this one? Love it. I, I like the. I mean, these look like. They're painted characters, other than the Emperor's Royal Guard. That one looks like it was just taken directly off of the card art, but the other ones look like they're like just painted on, which is cool. It's I think it sets it apart from the other store displays that that you usually see. Um, it's just the, the Emperor's Royal Guard is so striking on this, and it's such a popular. I mean, we just saw yesterday when we were talking about the sixty-five backs already at eleven hundred bucks. Uh, it that I think it's in large part to do with the the card art, and here we have it represented on this display. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot to like here. I think there is, and I've never really looked at the Gamorrean guard before, but I really like his pose and and uh, the way that uh, that he was drawn up. It's um... Yeah, it, it's it's a cool piece. Um, do you remember seeing these in stores? I do. Yeah, I remember vividly 
the first time I ever saw Return of the Jedi figures, um, the first figure I saw was the Gamorrean Guard. I think we were talking about it yesterday. Um, but it was a Toys R Us. They had a huge section on their normal toy aisle, and then they had an end cap. Um, I went to the normal toy aisle first, saw all the 65 backs there, and then went to the end cap, and this was on that end cap. And I remember just being overwhelmed with all these new characters I had never seen before and um, really wondered who was underneath the black smudges on the back on the 65A. Yes, and, yeah. Um, no, this is definitely something I remember from my childhood. And that's something that's rarely discussed, but that, that moment of excitement when you see something from an upcoming film or series as a child or toy line and um, – and it's a total mystery to you. It, it's one of it's one of the feelings that I'll always remember. You know, being little like that and, and seeing something and going, I have no idea what this stuff is, but I, I want to know. I want to delve into it if I can, and you know, I want to collect them all, whatever it was. Hmm. So great. So the estimate on this one is five to ten thousand dollars. I believe it's currently at two thousand. Do you think it gets into that range? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is graded. It's an acrylic. Looks fantastic in acrylic. Um, I think it'll get to that range. Yeah, probably on the lower side. Um, normal. Like I remember before prices started really taking off, this was like a fifteen hundred dollar to twenty five hundred dollar item. Um, so yeah, I think with just the rise in prices, it'll. I think it should take it to that range. Okay, and that makes sense. I think that's a fair range for it. Um, it is, it's pretty large. It's pretty uh, striking as well, too. It's something that you could, you know, put on a wall, and it makes for a beautiful display. Um, Hakes does note in its catalog. It says, um, uh, due to the size and/or weight of this item, shipping charges may be substantial. This is a tough one. If you can pick it up in person, it's probably better because uh, that is a large piece of acrylic. Um, but yeah, just. Uh, Gorgeous piece overall. I would say it's one of my favorite pieces so far in the Return of the Jedi section. And then wrapping up, um, we have uh, a really cool piece. This is actually, I think this is the, this is probably the most recent piece for the vintage Star Wars line um, that we have in this catalog. And this is from 1988. It is... um, it's a Chewbacca figure on, on card, but it's a very special one. So, Matt, if you uh, if you know a little bit about this one and care to share, please do. Yeah. So this is the infamous Uzai, not not to be confused with Uze. It's I think the preferred pronunciation is Uzai. So like the ooze coming out of your eye. It's the way I always remember it. Uzai um, W. Warwick. <laughs> yeah. Here we we have Chewbacca, but I guess his stage name is Aslan Adam. Not to be confused with Aslan W. Adam, um, but these uh, these Uzais are Turkish, so they all came from Turkey. Um, they're bootlegs. They're I, kind of the the most known kind of the pinnacle of bootleg collecting, um, just because they're so kitschy. I guess is the best word for it. Like a lot of the characters have card art that's really out there like for instance this Chewbacca's got him standing in what looks to be an aquarium 
with no water. And then in the background, it's just like randomly <laughs> drawn on like planets. So just in this one backdrop, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven orbs of some kind just randomly in the sky there. Um, but uh, not a lot of different characters were made. Um, and then uh, these, most of them came from a find that a uh, real prominent collector, dealer, Lev, um, I won't butcher his last name, but um, he actually went over to Turkey himself to the guy that made them and bought up whatever stock he had left. And if you ever see Lev or if you ever see Mark Huckabone out and about, have either of them recount the story to you about how he came about those. Have him talk about the taxi, um, <laughs> him getting from the taxi to the guy's house. It's incredible. Uh, it's, it's a fascinating story. I will butcher it. I will not even attempt to do it justice. So please, next time you see either of those two folks, have them recount that story to you because it'll be worth your time. But uh, um, usually you see Uzai's with Q grades because the bubbles are so um, poorly adhered to the card backs. But this one looks like it just has a standard grade and it has a 60. Uh, usually the the bubbles are what bring it down. Uh, this case looks like it's uh, the bubble is the reason it got the overall 60, but it has a 80 card grade and an 85 figure grade. This is one of the better condition Uzai's you're going to see. Um, I think there'll be some interest in this one. Yeah, I I think this is the one, one of the ones from Lev's find because it's unpunched um, and in such good condition. Um, very curious to see where this one ends up. There's, uh, you know, the notorious uh, headman figure is the, the crown jewel of the Uzai line. Um but Chewbacca is, you know, one of the more popular characters from that release. Yes, and uh, Aslan Adam, uh, which is the the name on here, it translates to Lion Man. So that's what Chewbacca is known as on an Uzai card, Lion Man. It's pretty cool. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, the estimate for this one, I believe, is yeah. So it's it's in the five thousand to ten thousand dollar range. Mm. Um, currently. It's at $4,271. Matthew George, where are we at with this one? Yeah, already six bids on it. Again, it's really good condition for what it is. Looks like it's got the bubble protector, so it shouldn't be any issues getting this thing shipped. Um, yeah, it's. It, I think it'll get up there. I'm going to go midpoint in that range, 7500 Okay, yeah, I was guessing 7000 to 9000 so... Um, yeah, this one will be a fun one to see, but you're right. Like a 60 uh, on an Uzai card is pretty close to like an 80 or an 85 on, you know, for, for a regular production figure. So, yeah. um, really nice. It does mention that there is a crack uh, along the lower uh, left corner edge, but, um, it displays beautifully. Uh, does it look like it has a, a bubble protector inside as well too? Yeah. Yeah. I that's that's what I was mentioning. I I think that's one of the reasons why I think it'll it'll go for a decent amount because you won't really have to worry about this thing in shipping. I don't think it looks okay. like it does have that that bubble protector 
uh, built into it. You can see it, uh, the outline of it there at the bottom, uh, pretty prominently. Mm-hmm. So keeping it on there. Okay. Well, Matt, we did it. Our marathon look at the this incredible catalog is is almost nearing its conclusion. Um, after this, we have a look at the pa- the power of the force droids and Ewoks segments. Um, but this has been a lot of fun. I, I think there are a lot of great pieces in here. Just you know, from the ones that we looked at today, were there any that stood out to you, or any that interested you? Um, I mean, I'm not too enamored with the 77 bags in general. Um, I've I've wanted to upgrade a few figures. Like I want to upgrade my ADA at some point. Um, I need to upgrade my Rancor in box, but I think they're. With these, the prices are probably going to get up to where it's not going to make much sense to do it financially. But um, it's just cool to see uh, figures in this good a condition come up for sale. Um, so, you know, again, kudos to whosoever collection this was for putting it together and, and Hakes for doing such a good job kind of putting this auction together. I mean, it's uh, a lot of really good items here. It's been really enjoyable to go through um, not only each film, but also each uh, sub card line and, um, you know, just seeing different things like the 65 backs, the 77 backs, the 79 backs. Um, yeah, we, we've been we, we've been really blessed with some really nice pieces. And then, you know, along the way in, in each, it really seems like on every page there is something uh, different and unique, you know, just um Looking at the catalog alone, like on page 254 and 255, you have the Sealed Rancor uh, and Jabba the Hutt Dungeon, the B-Wing Fighter, the, the Bi-Logo or Tri-Logo TIE Interceptor, um, four box flats, uh, a first shot B-Wing prototype, and then the Collect All 65 painted store display. So... Yeah, this was um this has been a really fun look at the world of Star Wars and and um and I think going through a catalog like this also really helps too because um it it brings certain things to light that maybe you weren't aware of before, you know, and a lot of times these um the the uh the listings and the the descriptions really help to kind of give you much more of a of an understanding of what you're looking at. And uh you know, I think for us, like, you know, the carded figures are, are pretty straightforward and easy. And then uh, when we get into some of the other stuff that we're less familiar with, uh, those descriptions certainly help just to, to start to give you kind of a, a base point. Um, but anyway, if, if you have the opportunity, you know, check out the catalog, check out the online catalog as well, too. Um, all right, Matt, we did it. Uh, any other thoughts about Return of the Jedi? Well, while we were... Recording this, the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer dropped. Would you um, like to do a live, like a a um, real-time first look at it and kind of get our reactions to it while we're uh, kind of watching it? Sure. Yeah, let's try that. Three, two, one, click. Got that Star Wars music. Oh. Episode one flashback there. Yopi? The fight is done. We lost. 
Okay, he's sitting in a, it looks like right outside a cave by himself. Oh, he's looking at the Luke compound. Oh, wow, he's looking at Luke. So he sees Luke. Ooh. Okay, now we go into the episode one music. As the Lucasfilm symbol is whisked away in the sand. Got a shift. Grand Inquisitor reference. Oh, wow, that's going to bring up prices on any of the Grand Inquisitor stuff. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay, Live Grand action. Inquis- yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I think we just saw the seventh brother. He's from Rebels. Owen. Owen Lars. I think that's the sixth. That's the Grand Inquisitor. Or an Inquisitor. Yeah. A new droid that looks like K2SO. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's the fifth brother, I think. And then the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. The music is on point. This looks really exciting. The Book of Boba Fett had a little kind of cheekiness to it. Uh, This isn't. This is very serious. Yeah. Oh, that's killer. It's it's a great one. Oh, wow. It's funny. It actually, it it really, the the trailer, just from a first look at it, I know it probably just sounded like we were just... (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, wow. But uh, a lot of it is focused more on the um, the Inquisitors rather than even, you know, we don't we didn't see too much of Obi-Wan. Um, but that it was kind of nice in a way. I think it's, it's good to keep him kind of more of a, a mystery and just to, to show that he's being it looked like he's being actively hunted and targeted. Yeah, I think we kind of knew what Obi-Wan was doing. Right. He's looking after Luke. This was explaining kind of the plot more um, that kind of what uh, the obstacle that Obi-Wan's going to have to overcome. Um, A very, like the music was very dark. It had that, uh, the Jedi duel, duel of the fates, I guess is what it's called from Phantom Menace track. Showed a lot of red lightsabers. Showed the looks like there's three inquisitors that are going to be after him. Um, two of which looked like they were from Rebels. The third one, I I don't think that she was in Rebels. I'm about to do some studying on who that is, mm-hmm. but um, man, that was great. It was really cool. I'm glad we got a chance to see that too. It's a nice it's way cool to look. end day. <laughs> yeah, seeing a little young. Young Luke acting a fool at the uh, Lars compound there. I was expecting to see him in the series looking after Luke from afar. Um, I was surprised that they showed that in the trailer, though. But that that's really interesting. I think that um, that was one of the parts that, that got me really excited for, for this. So uh, I think, you know, just watching it like we just did right on our phones and, you know, not, you know, just for a first time. Um, to me, it has a feeling of Star Wars. This really feels like Star Wars. Yeah, we we know that um, Hayden Christensen is going to be in this series, and we didn't see any of Darth Vader in that in that trailer. So that leads me to believe there's going to be another trailer that might show kind of a, a different part of the show. Maybe have Obi Wan in a little bit more, and then kind of end with Vader, just as kind of the final image you see before the show starts. Mm-hmm. 
But as a trailer, just, you know, where I think the best trailers show a bunch of stuff, but with very little connection or with with very little explanation. Um, so you wind up seeing a bunch of really cool images and moments uh, that flash before your eyes. And then you go, I don't really know exactly what I saw, but I'm really excited about it. And I think those are the best types of trailers because they don't give too much away. Yeah, agreed. Man, I'm going to have to watch it on repeat here for the next couple hours. Okay. Well, yeah, Drill into each scene. I think I'll be doing the same. Um, well, then I will let you go. Uh, Matt, again, we, we did it. We got through the Return of the Jedi segment. Um, in our final episode, we're going to be looking at the uh, the items from the Hicks catalog uh, covered in The Power of the Force, droids and Ewoks lines, and... Um, we have some really exciting pieces coming up as well, too. Some some pretty rare ones, um, ones that you don't normally see pop up in the condition that you don't normally see them pop up either. And then, uh, you know, just some special pieces uh, scattered throughout. So I look forward to our next conversation, my friend. Likewise. Um, yeah, I hope everyone's enjoying these. Um, if there's anything you'd like to see different for the ones in the future, drop us a note, leave us a comment. Um, cause I think we plan on doing these with each of the, the cakes, um, the three main auctions they do each year. Uh, hopefully it makes the, the, uh, experience better for you guys. Hopefully adds a little bit more color to some of these items and history of some of these items. And, um, I know I've enjoyed doing these with you, David, and hopefully we can, uh, you know, have an even better show next time. Absolutely. I always look forward to it. And, and you're right. I, I think I think having something like this where uh, from the, the perspective of, of two collectors who just love this stuff, love talking about it. Um, you know, if you're if you're listening to this and enjoying this and, you know, just like hanging out and, and you know, being part of the conversation with us, um, really let us know. And, uh, you know, if you can uh, just just leave a, a quick review if you're enjoying it and, and um, you know, subscribe. Uh, it's free to do so. Um, and, and Matt, uh, if people want to read the book that you, Stephen, and Gary wrote, uh, Engineering Empire, where can they find that book? It can be found at engineeringandempirebook.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash engineeringandempirebook. Or we will be at the ICCC set up with the table there. Okay. Yeah, and it's a wonderful read. I really recommend it. It dives into the history of the of the people who made these vintage Star Wars pieces that we love and that we're exploring now. So, uh, Matt, I look forward to our next conversation. Here we go into Power of the Force, Droids, and Ewoks. Let's do it. <laughs>